This is Solid Foundation Ministries with Dr. Pierre Couvert, building solid foundations through sound Bible teaching. Welcome back to Solid Foundation Ministries. Today I want to talk about something that I think is very important this time of the year. Every year at this time there arises a conflict over whether Bible-believing Christians should celebrate Christmas or not. I don't spend much time on Facebook, but I do scroll down through things a couple of times a week. As usual this time of the year, there are many articles trying to prove the pagan origin of Christmas. Some of them are quite convincing if you don't know the truth on this issue. The biggest myth concerning Christmas is that it is of Catholic origin. The Catholic Church had its origin in the 4th century with Constantine. It did not become what we see today until the late 6th century. Christmas was adopted into the Catholic calendar in 330 A.D. For those who don't understand how centuries are counted, this is a third of the way through the 4th century. The first historical indications of the celebration of Christ's birth are 200 years earlier than this. There is evidence that the Feast of the Nativity was celebrated by Christians in the second century. Uh, When was it celebrated? Around December 25th on our calendar. Now we need to realize that calendars have changed over the centuries and it's sometimes difficult to get exact dates. But early Christians such as Clement in the second century and Hippolytus in the third century dated Christ's birth around the 25th of December. This shows that our celebration of Christ's birth has nothing to do with the Catholic Church. No one can deny that much unbiblical junk has been added to Christmas, but that doesn't mean we should not celebrate our Lord's birth. The angels thought it was important enough to celebrate when he was born. Today I want to look at the question of whether or not Christians uh, should celebrate Christmas. Let's start by looking at Romans 14 verses 1 through 6. It says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, He shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it to the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He that eateth not to the uh, To the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. I started with this verse because the first thing I want to look at is holiday attitudes. I want to talk first of all about doubtful disputations. There are disputes over things that are not fully determined by Scripture. That means there are things that that the Scriptures don't come out and actually command or forbid. And we have liberty in those things. The examples used in this passage are what we choose to eat and what days we choose to keep. How are we to deal with those with differences of opinion on things like this? Opinions which cannot be settled with scriptures are to be dealt with with grace. 
We're not to judge others in this type of issue, and they're not supposed to judge us. We once had a family join our church who didn't believe in celebrating Christmas, and they asked if that would be a problem. My answer to them was, no, it will not be a problem as long as the fact that we do celebrate Christmas is not a problem for you. They chose to join. Sorry to say there were issues down the line. I think most of them have been resolved now. Should we or should we not celebrate Christmas? Some say Christmas is of pagan and Catholic origin and should not be celebrated. But is this true? Others think that Christmas is a valid Christian holiday and should be celebrated. Paul says that our purpose in celebrating or not celebrating should be to glorify God. That tells us that it really doesn't matter whether we celebrate it or not, as long as our purpose is to uh, glorify God. And we're not supposed to judge others as long as their purpose is correct. This is an issue that is left up to each person's conscience, and we need to respect each person's conscience and realize exactly what it is. Now for the question of when is Christ born. The truth is, no one knows for sure. The Bible doesn't give us the answer to this question. There are some common thoughts on this issue. Some people think it was in the spring, March, or April. Some think it was in the fall, September, or October. Some others think it was in the winter, December, or January. But does it really matter? The one thing we know for sure is that Christ was, in fact, born. That's what's important, and that's what we're supposed to be celebrating. You know, the monarch in England's birthday is celebrated on the same day, no matter when their actual birth was. They celebrate the same uh, birthday, whether it's Queen Elizabeth now, or whether it's one of the other kings or queens that lived before her. We're celebrating the fact that Christ was born, not when he was born. It's not important when, it's important that he was born. We need to ask the question, when and why was December 25th chosen? The reason this question is so important is because uh, some people believe that it was chosen to replace a pagan holiday and therefore draw pagans into the church. Well, let me say this. Almost all days of the year have some pagan association. Sunday, which is the day we meet together as Christians, is, was a pagan holiday. It was set apart to worship the sun. That's why it's called Sunday. Yet we set it apart for the worship of God. Now, some people will argue that we should be celebrating the Sabbath instead of, the, uh, instead of Sunday, but that's not scriptural either. You see, there's no command for Christians to celebrate the Sabbath. Uh, we're told to assemble together, and the example that we have in Scripture is the first day of the week. Saturday is the last day of the week. Now, in Europe, to change things around, they've moved a Sunday to the last day of the week. But Sunday is the first day of the week. The Sabbath was the last day of the creation week, and therefore the last day of the week. December 25th, prior to uh, 273 A.D., was not a sun-worshipper's holiday. Aurelian, an emperor in Rome, tried to draw people to his sun-worshipping religion by co-opting the day that Christians celebrated the birth of the Lord. And he established December 25th as a sun-worshipping holiday in 723 A.D. Now, that's 
after Christians were already celebrating the Feast of the Nativity. We call it Christmas today, but it's the feast that celebrated the birth of Christ. Some people think that this uh, date of December 25th was chosen by the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church did not exist until the 4th century in any form, and in its present form, it didn't exist until the late 6th century. I'm talking about having the universal pope and, and, and things like this. It was considered the worldwide religion of Rome uh, prior to the 6th century, but it didn't have a universal pope until the 6th century. There is evidence that the Feast of the Nativity was celebrated by Christians as early as the 2nd century. Remember how we count centuries? This means it would have been some time between the year 100 and the year 200. So for the sake of discussion, let's make it 150 A.D., uh, just because it fits nicely in the middle of that century, but we can't prove when it first started. It's only indications that tell us this. Early Christians, such as Clement, who lived in the 2nd century, and Hippolytus, who lived in the 3rd century, dated Christ's birth around what would be December 25th on our calendars today. So as far back as around 150 A.D., Christians were celebrating the birth of Christ, and they were celebrating it at the same time of the year that we celebrate it. Some think it was chosen because of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is also called the Feast of the Dedication or Rededication. In John chapter uh, 10 and verse 22, we find that Jesus celebrated this feast, and it was at Jerusalem, and it was in the winter. Let's take a closer look at Hanukkah just to see if it makes sense that that would be part of the reason, at least, that this date was chosen. It is a feast celebrating the rededication of the temple after Antiochus had desecrated it. It's also called the Festival of Lights. And as we saw earlier, Jesus graced this festival with his presence. The feasts of Israel parallel the development of a baby in the womb. Passover offers new life. Ovulation is uh, 14 days after the last menstrual cycle. Uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, is the next day. Fertiliz fertilization must take place in 24 hours of ovulation. The, we the Feast of the First Fruit is a week-long feast. Within a week, the embryo will be attached to the womb. Pentecost, which is 50 days later, indicates that there's no significant development until the heart starts beating at about 50 days after uh, the embryo is attached to the womb. The Feast of Trumpets is the first day of the seventh month. This is when hearing is developed. The Day of Atonement is the tenth day of the seventh month. This is when the blood changes. The Feast of Tabernacles is the 15th day of the 7th month. The lungs are developed, and now the embryo can live outside of the womb because it's able to breathe. So what does this have to do with Hanukkah? The feasts parallel the first seven months of a baby's development. When you add to this the, the time of Hanukkah, you get 280 days. This is the normal length of a pregnancy. If Jesus was conceived on Passover, and of course that's only speculation. He would have been born around December 25th. Let me ask you this, are there any accidents with God? 
Now let's take a look at some of the traditions that have surrounded Christmas from the earliest days that we can remember. The first thing I want to look at is trees and tree branches. The argument against uh, using these in our celebration of Christmas are found in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verses 2 through 5. These verses say, Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed with them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen, with the axe. They deck it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers, that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born, because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither also is it in them to do good. This passage is talking about making an idol out of a tree. It's talking about a tree that is carved with an axe. Then it's covered with gold and silver, and uh, it's nailed to it. It's fastened down because they don't want the gold to move as the idol is moved about. You know, Isaiah chapter 40 and verses 19 through 20 confirms this interpretation. It says, The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Now, folks, we can see from this passage that, uh, that uh, they're talking here about creating an idol out of a tree. And, of course, no Christian should worship any tree, Christmas tree or any other tree. And I know of no Bible-believing Christian that does. The using of tree branches is commanded in Scripture. In, Le- in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 39 through 40, it says, Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, seven days. Notice that this is a feast which is commanded by God. It's not an optional, or it was not an optional feast to the Jews in those days. He commanded that they take boughs and branches to celebrate this feast. Now, if we could use it to celebrate the feast here, as it's commanded in scriptures, what makes it wrong to use them to uh, uh, celebrate Christmas? If we have the proper motives and reasons and the proper symbolisms as long as we don't make an idol out of the tree and as i said before i know of no bible believing christian who makes an idol of the christmas tree why did they use evergreen trees in the celebration of christ's birth first of all we need to remember that they used them as early as the second century But the evergreen tree was chosen to represent eternal life. It stays green all year long. Other trees die in the fall and are reborn, if you will, in the spring. 
They didn't want that kind of symbolism, so they chose evergreen trees to represent the eternal life that we receive from Jesus Christ. And why do we put lights on Christmas trees? Because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He is the light that came that we might receive eternal life. He showed us the way to God, uh, which is by faith in him without works. How about the tradition of giving gifts? Giving gifts is often condemned for two reasons. First of all, it says they have no relationship to the birth of Christ. Well, that's not strictly true. We're not uh, gifts brought to Christ at the time of his birth by the, I say at the time of his birth, shortly after his birth, within the first two years, by the wise men. Of course they were. Now, we can't physically hand gifts to Christ, but we can show our, our love for others by giving gifts at that time. It's also said that it leads to commercialism. All who understand the true meaning of Christmas condemn the idea of commercialism. And it sure has taken over the world today, but we live in a pagan world. To see it around us shouldn't surprise us. As a matter of fact, we should expect it. That's what pagans do. That's what non-Christians do. But there is a biblical example for giving gifts to celebrate God's blessing. In Esther chapter 9, verses 22-23, it says, And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters to all the Jews that were in all provinces of the kingdom of Ah of Ahasuerus, both nigh and far, to establish this among them that they should keep the fourteenth day of the month of Adar and the fifteenth day of the same yearly. As the days wherein the Jews were rested from their enemies, and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy, and from mourning unto a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and joy and of sending portions one to another, and gifts to the poor. And the Jews undertook to do as they had begun, and as Mordecai had written unto them. There are some things that we see in this passage of Scripture that we should consider as we're thinking about the issue of celebrating Christmas and giving gifts. Israel was in danger of being totally wiped out. The command had gone out that they were to be killed on sight. God intervened to deliver them, and if you don't know the story, I highly suggest that you go back and read the book of Esther. It's a very interesting story. It's interesting that uh, God is not mentioned in the book at all, but that God is seen actively in the book. In celebration of God's deliverance, the, uh, the Jewish people started this holiday, which is still celebrated today. And if the ancient Jews could give gifts to celebrate physical deliverance, why can't we give gifts to celebrate the coming of our spiritual deliverer? I suppose that there's a more important question that we should consider when we consider uh, whether or not we should celebrate Christmas. What was the reaction to Christ's birth in the first century? Well, to begin with, we know that the angels in heaven rejoiced over it. They had quite a reaction. There was a multitude of heavenly hosts, and those were probably angels. What were they doing? They were praising God. This probably means that they were singing, since singing is usually used when we praise God. And most importantly, the angels glorified God. The angels weren't saved by the coming of the Messiah. They had no reason to celebrate from that uh, point of view. But they understood that creation was in turmoil because of man's sin. 
they understood that peace on earth was necessary for creation to be at peace. All of it, even their part of it. There were battles we know that went on between angels, the good ones and the bad ones. Just think about when the angel went to take the message to uh, uh, to Daniel and how he was hindered by other angels. They knew that only the Prince of Peace could bring this the kind of peace that was necessary. How about the reaction of the shepherds? The shepherds left their sheep to seek the Savior. You know, shepherds don't normally leave their sheep. If they're going to leave, it has to be for an important reason. The importance of the birth of Christ was more important than the keeping of the sheep. When they found him, they told Joseph and Mary what they had been told concerning Jesus, that he was the coming Messiah, the expected Messiah, that he had arrived. Then they returned to their sheep, glorifying God and praising God for what they had seen and what they had been told. Now, they were quite excited about what would happen. How about the reaction of Joseph and Mary? They wondered at what they had been told. Uh, Wonder is an emotional response to surprise. They were surprised what happened, even though they had been told in advance. Even though they knew what was coming, they were surprised when it actually came to pass. Mary pondered these things in her heart. That means that she weighed them, she considered them, she examined them. I suppose that they were in her mind for the rest of her life. These things must have both been exciting and troubling for her. I can imagine what she was thinking when she was standing by the cross at Christ's death. So what should our reaction be? We should stand in wonder that God would send his Son for us. Remember, this is the only begotten Son of God. This is the second person of the Trinity. This is the God of heaven who created everything, and he came down to die on the cross. Last night, my son-in-law preached in our church, and he said something that was quite amazing to me. Uh, One of his friends, his co-host on his Saturday broadcast, who used to be a Muslim and was, uh, was converted when he saw that Muslims were expected to die for their God, but the Christian's God came down and died for them. That stark contrast between Christianity and Islam was one of the major things that brought him to brought him to Christ. We should praise and glorify God for his unspeakable gift. We can't understand the uh, value of this gift that we received. Now there are two things that I would like for us to get out of this message that don't really relate to the issue of whether or not Christ was born on the 25th or whether or not there are some a pagan uh, things that have become attached to Christmas or whether or not many of the other things that are disputed are true. They don't dif- uh, relate to that at all. First of all, and probably the most important, is that we don't judge others for whether or not they choose to celebrate Christmas. You know, this is a personal choice. We're to be personally persuaded in our own hearts. There are those on both sides who think they're more spiritual than the, those on the other side, and that's not true. There are arguments that are valid on both sides of the issue, and we ought not to be judging one another or whether or not we decide to or not to celebrate Christmas. The second thing that I think we should get out of this debate over celebrating Christmas is that almost nothing is sure in the whole discussion of it. 
All of the things that we're told are certain by the side of those who do not celebrate Christmas are not certain. For example, they like to tell us that sun worshipers worshipped on December 25th. They did not until after the celebration of Christ's birth came to being. It was the emperor of Rome that uh, changed the date that they worshipped, the sun worshipers that is, to December 25th in an effort to co-opt Christmas for his sun worshipers. The only real purpose of this message is to show that those who celebrate Christmas are not worshipping idols, and those who don't celebrate Christmas are not, or at least should not, be killjoys. We need to understand that God has given us grace and liberty in a lot of things. And we need to understand that whether or not we celebrate Christmas is not a matter of scripturally right or scripturally wrong. The fact that it's not commanded in Scripture doesn't mean that we shouldn't celebrate it. The feast that came out of the uh, the events in the book of Esther was not commanded of God, yet it's still celebrated today. And it's also true that Christ... Uh, was at that feast and celebrated that feast, indicating that it had his approval. There are a number of other things that I could include in this message, but I don't have the time to get into detail on them. Things like, uh, where were the shepherds? Why were they there? Does that have any indication on the time of the year? The fact is, yes, it does. If it had been in other times of the year than in the winter, the sheep would have been further away. They would have been out in the fields. They would not have been gathered in a field just outside of the city of Bethlehem. They would have been still up in the in the hills where the sheep could eat their grass. They might have been getting closer and closer if it was in in uh, in the fall, or they might have been going further and further away if it was in the spring, but they would not have been where they were and if you do some research, you'll find that shepherds outside of Bethlehem still do exactly the same thing as we see in Scripture concerning uh, the uh, uh, the sheep. And they bring them in close by during the winter, but they're gone the rest of the year. And they do sleep with the sheep. There are other things that also that we could mention. Just uh, the fact that, for example, you don't tax farmers in the spring. That would pretty much eliminate the spring part because it was an agricultural society and people didn't have money in the spring. They had money in the winter. Even in the fall, they were still just gathering their crops and it would have taken a long time. You know, they couldn't get on a jet airplane and fly from wherever they were over to Bethlehem where they could be there to pay their taxes. It took time to travel. This means that Christmas time is, is a pretty good uh, guess on when Christ was born. Could have been any time, but we and we don't know. However, I used to think it was in the spring because that's when lambs are born, but I found out that's not true. Lambs are born in the spring and in late fall, early winter, which is exactly where that puts us. So the symbolism of Christ being the Lamb of God is also involved. I watched a video today on... Uh, somebody condemning the worshiping of Christmas. And it had a lot of good information in there about idolatry involved in Catholicism. It talked a lot about the old pagan worship of the ancient world. But it never really tied those to Christmas. And it totally ignored the fact that Christmas was celebrated as early as the second century. It also mentioned the fact 
that the Caesar uh, changed the worship date of the sun worshipers to match Christmas, but he didn't mention that he did it because he wanted to co-opt the uh, Christian holiday to draw them to his pagan worship. So many things are missing on both sides of this argument. As true Bible-believing Christians, let's be gracious to the other side on this. There's nothing in Scripture that commands or condemns the celebrating of Christmas. I choose to celebrate it. I'm sure most of you listening also choose to celebrate it. But should there be some of you out there who choose not to celebrate it, as long as your purpose is to glorify God, and as long as our purpose is to glorify God, and that's my purpose for celebrating it, to thank Him for what He's done for us in in Christ, uh, let's be gracious and not condemn the other for His position. Let me give you just a little commercial here at the end of the broadcast. I just completed a book on why I don't use the New King James Bible version. Uh, In this book, I show the doctrinal errors that are found in in it, and I also show the inconsistencies. I show that it is not easier to read like they try and tell us. If you would be interested in this book, you can get it at my website. Just go to the book tab on solidfoundationministries.com. You have been listening to Solid Foundation Ministries from Lenore, North Carolina. Dr. Kuvert has 35 years in the ministry as a former missionary and pastor. He is available for revivals and various conferences on missions, Bible, Baptist heritage, and the family. To find out more, go to our website, solidfoundationministries.com, or call 828-244-6505. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's about God receiving the glory.